0: visit AscentEquityGroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T EquityGroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only.
1: Due to that competition, there tends to be non-refundable earnest money. Day one offers that need to be placed in order to be in the running for a deal, let alone winning a deal. Isn't it just the best when a software comes out that makes your life easier, makes you more money, and by the way, it's free? Well, welcome to Stessa, today's best ever sponsor. Stessa is a smarter income and expense tracking software for property owners. It allows you to track, manage, and communicate the performance of your real estate asset. So basically... It helps you make more money by looking at your properties in one dashboard. It's a beautiful dashboard, by the way. And it shows you the KPIs, the key performance indicators that you care about. What's the value? How much cash flow are you getting? What's the debt that you have on the properties? What are you bringing in monthly? What are you bringing in annually? And it allows you to have a quick snapshot, not only of your properties, but also come tax time. It's a breeze because you can scan receipts and invoices directly from the phone app and Stessa will automatically read and categorize them for you. No more data entry. It's been talked about in Forbes, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and all it takes is just a few minutes to add your properties, link the accounts, and everything updates in real time without stessa i was looking at my portfolio on an infrequent basis i'm talking about my single family home portfolio i got three single family homes and i didn't realize that i had trapped equity but if i was looking at it from a dashboard that stessa has then i would have realized that hey i got a portfolio value of x and i've got debt on it of y holy cow look at all this trapped equity i'm missing out and with stessa that won't happen. So go to stessa.com forward slash best ever. And it's free. It's free. stessa.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. We hate that fluffy stuff. So because of that, today we're doing follow along Friday where we're talking about things we've learned, or questions that you Best Ever listeners have, and we are addressing those questions and the things we learned. We talk about, well, what we learned, but then how that can be applied to what you got going on. Because most importantly, we want to make sure that we're helping you out with whatever
2: you got going on. So, Theo Hicks, how we want to do today's call? Well, I'll hop right into my update. So, as I mentioned last week, I am currently looking at two apartments in the Tampa area. One, I've already toured and I had underwritten it. And I mentioned last week that the NOI that the broker mentioned and that's on the T12 were different. And I mentioned that I was going to reach out to a lender to get a quote for debt. And unfortunately, I do not see how I could purchase this property with this specific lender because the lender said that based off of the NOI that they calculated, which was about $40,000 below what the OM states as the in-place NOI, And they're only willing to lend up to $3.6 million. So if I wanted to do 80% LTV loan, it'd be 4.25 million. Mm -hmm. But in the base of my underwriting, the most I would be willing to pay with these new debt terms would be 4.75 million. And the reason why that's a problem is because I know that the owner wants 6.5 million. And it's kind of funny because when the deal first listed, I looked it up on LoopNet, and it said six point five million. And then when I went back to look at the price again, it wasn't there anymore. So I asked the broker, I'm like, was that a mistake that it was listed? Is that the right price?" He goes, "Yeah, from my understanding, I think it was like a mistake of them putting it up there. that They weren't supposed to." But the owner wants six point five million for that property. So as of now, obviously, if I use the lender that quoted the three point six million, it's going to be around fifty five percent LTV. We have to raise 45% in addition to the actual renovation budget. So the broker mentioned that the lender who has some other financing options that I can look at, i say right now I'm probably like 10% that will submit an offer on this deal. But I did want to reach out to that mortgage broker and kind of just see what options he has. Number one, just to see if maybe he's got some financing that can make the deal make sense, but also just another relationship to have in the Tampa Bay market. So for future deals, if we hit it off and it seems like he's a good fit for our business plan, I can continue to reach out to him and get a quote from him as well as a quote from my broker. So I guess the lesson is that when you're working on a deal with a broker and you are interested in still continuing to build relationships or have backup team members, just ask them, do you know of a mortgage broker? Do you know of a property management company? and attempt to get something out of the deal. So I kind of go back to 50-50 goals. Like if I don't end up buying this deal, if my goal was just to buy deals, then I would be kind of upset about this process. But I've toured this property. I basically formally underwrote the entire deal with assumptions and renovation costs. I've been back and forth with this broker. And now I've got a new mortgage broker contact that I'm speaking with this afternoon. So 50% was kind of a fail because we probably won't be I'm sorry, go
1: ahead. I was just going to ask, what is the alleged reason why the owner's selling?
2: The alleged reason is that they are trying to focus on retail. So this is the only apartment that they own.
1: The thriving world of retail, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, marketed brokers, if it was posted on LoopNet, but then taken down and posted again, seems like they're trying to get as many people to be aware of it as possible, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And how long have they been
2: marketing it? For the past three weeks, I'd say.
1: Okay. Well, my guess is this one, just give it time and stay in touch with the broker. You know this, but stay in touch with the broker, have your price, and then tell them what your price is, and then just let the market show them that the value that they have in their head is not what they're going to get. It's happened multiple times with us where we have a deal that we're – shown. And in those cases, it's not on the market. Then we say, no, thank you. Your price is crazy. Then they go to the market and then the market knocks the price down because the initial whisper price was way out of whack.
2: Yeah. That's how I'm going to approach it as well. Just kind of stay in touch with the broker, see what's going on with the deal, calls offers at of the 19th. And if they sell it for 6.5 million, then maybe I could buy it. Make that owner realizes that that's probably not <laughs> the best. <laughs> it wasn't the best idea. <laughs> So that's that deal. I'll give an update on how that conversation goes with the lender next following Friday. The other deal that I mentioned briefly last week, I've got a little bit more information on that. It's a 73 unit in St. Pete. It is the largest apartment building in regards to units on St. Pete Beach. And I reached out to do a tour and the broker responded and said that the owner wants to know if I'm able to pay the price that he wants before touring the property. And he wants essentially about two hundred and thirty thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand per unit for the property. And it's gonna be a heavy value add because of in order for the deal to make sense, we'd have to probably spend about ten to twelve thousand dollars per unit in interior upgrades. So the plan for that one is I'm gonna underwrite it this weekend to see if we can even get close to seventeen million and then reach back out to the broker if we can get close to that number and tour it next week. If you remember, this is the one that the OM claims can raise the rent by about $750. Yep. Well, hey, if you can, then those numbers might work. Seriously, yeah. It's a really neat property, too. The way that it's built, I could tell that there's not a lot of deferred maintenance and the ongoing maintenance. It just seems like it's a, a very solid property that would be pretty inexpensive to, to operate. It's just getting it at the right price, mm-hmm. as always. So, those are the two deals I'm looking at. And, well, they'll probably be the last two deals I look at for 2018, unless something else pops up because things have been a little slow lately. I haven't seen a new deal for at least two weeks.
1: And real quick, how's your Cincinnati portfolio performing? And remind
2: us what you've got in Cincinnati. So I have 13 units. One's the single family house that we used to live in. And then we've got three fourplexes. And I think we probably turned about five or six units. And on all of them except for one, we were able to get higher rents than what we were getting before. For one of them, it was vacant for about a month and no one wanted to rent it. And we ended up reducing the rate to below what it was before. But if you include the utility fee that we're asking for, it's still technically above what it was before, but the actual rent that's listed is below what it was before. So we're attributing that to seasonality because we're not getting much traffic at all for that unit that was vacant. And then... <laughs> Something else interesting happened a few weeks ago. You remember that big ice storm that came through Cincinnati? Big time, yep. Yeah, so it knocked down one of the trees, and the tree fell on top of the power line. So the power was out a few days at that property. So we got a quote from a tree trimming company to fix the trees at all three properties. And um, obviously that was interesting because I got a bunch of texts from the tenants asking me what's going on. So I called my property management company, and he had talked to every single tenant about it. And Luckily, everything worked out okay. Electricity's back on. He's working fine. But that was an interesting dilemma that my company solved pretty quickly. So I was pretty happy with how they handled it.
1: Good stuff. And as far as my update, I want to address a question that commonly comes up frequently. And that is, how do I do non-refundable earnest money if I don't have that money? And this question is really related to how competitive it is in a lot of the markets that you might be looking at to purchase property. And due to that competition, there tends to be non-refundable, earnest money, day one offers that need to be placed in order to be in the running for a deal, let alone winning a deal. So there are a couple options here, and I'll tell you how I did it at the beginning My first deal, which was not non-refundable, it was refundable on my first deal. However, this same approach can be applied to non-refundable earnest money because either way, refundable, non-refundable, you got to have the money. And I had spoken to a couple investors who were interested in partnering up with me. This was before my first syndicated deal, but after I bought four single family homes. And... One of the investors who had expressed interest, I reached out to him and I said, well, I've got this deal and it's $50,000 refundable deposit. I've got 30 days before it becomes non-refundable. Will you put that up as the deposit? And he had said he was gonna invest $50,000. So I said, and then we can just roll that into the deal. Should we close? And if we don't close, then you'll get it right back. And he said, after thinking about it for a little while, and when I say a little while, maybe a day or so, he said, yeah, sure. But can you put something down in writing that says, if this does become lost for whatever reason, that you'll pay me back? I said, absolutely. Because I'd mentioned I'd pay him back in the conversation, but Mm -hmm. I said, yes, absolutely. I put something right. In that case, it was just an email where I promised to pay him back if I lost the $50,000 And depending on your relationship with the investor or how much they want to have documented, you might need to do a promissory note or something like that. But I just sent him an email and that was it. So he put up the 50K and that allowed me to get the property in due diligence. And then I proceeded. If it was non-refundable, then it's the same conversation. You're simply telling the investor it's non-refundable day one. So when you put it up, you'll be investing in the deal that amount. So maybe it's not the same. It's a similar conversation, I should say, because if they are wanting to invest in the deal, then that can simply be their investment. If they're not wanting to invest in the deal and they loan you that money, then it's basically a loan and you're going to need to have some sort of agreement drafted with them and then they simply put it up and you pay a certain rate or a certain amount to compensate them. And if you end up closing on the deal, great. You can easily refund that money plus interest. If you don't, well, then you're in a tight spot. Mm-hmm. So borrower beware here because it's non-refundable. You lose the money, you have to pay them back plus interest, and you don't have a property. So be careful and proceed with caution if you do non-refundable day one and you work with someone who you're borrowing that money from because you could lose a lot of money. But on the flip side, there are solutions to address this challenge. And that is a solution that I did when I got going.
2: And if they're going to be an investor in the deal and they put up the earnest money deposit, is there any sort of interest they earn on that? Or is it just that rolled over into the deal and then they're like a regular investor?
1: Yeah, in my case, there was not because I didn't think of it and he didn't ask. But if there is a scenario where they ask or you think of it, then yeah, you could pay whatever interest is being generated from the checking or savings mm-hmm. account or escrow account that that's in. We implemented a new policy effect of this last deal that we closed Northern Cross in Fort Worth, where if the investor funded 30 days or earlier than when we're closing, so if we close on the 30th of January, then if they funded by December 30th or earlier, then we would pay them interest on their dollars while they're waiting for those dollars to be put to work Mm -hmm. in the deal. And it's just whatever the bank interest is. Just says. So what was it, 0.04%? 4% annually, yeah. 0.4%, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's put that into perspective here. If you invested $100,000, that was $40?
2: Yeah, was $33.33 for 30
1: days. $33.33 for 30 days. So we're not making any money on it really, except for that $33.33. So we're just passing along to the investors. And if any investor funded... Within that 30-day period where we're about to close the deal, then we don't pay interest on that because ideally we have all the funds in 30 days prior. So we want to reward that for taking place.
2: Another interesting strategy about the earnest deposit that I saw on, on a bigger podcast thread by someone who had just done their first apartment deal. They wanted to make their offer competitive, but they didn't want to do the non-refundable earnest deposit from day one. So instead they had their terms were that it would go non-refundable once the due diligence period was over. So not that's pretty. That's pretty typical. Oh, is it? Is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Cause I was like, Oh, well I don't want to do it from day one. If I just to say after the due diligence, but okay. If that's typical, then I guess it's not going to make your offering more competitive. Maybe
1: it will make it more competitive than if it wasn't, mm-hmm. but that's pretty standard. If it's not non-refundable day one to have it non-refundable
2: after the due diligence. Okay. Period. Any other updates? Nope. All righty. Moving on to the trivia question. So the answer to the last week's question, which just as a reminder, the question was, what is the city with the highest total share of high end apartment buildings? That's class B plus or higher. And that was for 2017 and the first half of 2018. And the answer was Charlotte, North Carolina, with the proportion is 50%. Wow.
1: Would not have guessed that if Mm -hmm. I well I knew the answer so I wouldn't have guessed anyway (laughs) but
2: because you had it in
1: the word document but I wouldn't have guessed Charlotte. And if you go to our
2: blog and you read the top ten U.S. cities with the largest proportion of high-end apartment buildings, you can see what the top ten U.S. cities are. And then there's a link to the actual data, and you can kind of see the top thirty or fifty cities if you're interested. This week's question, and Joe does not have the answer to this one, so he gets to guess. It's going to be what state has the city? with the lowest crime rate. So I didn't want to do the city because <laughs> that's going to be impossible to guess. Is so, it a uh,
1: city of 500,000 or more? No, 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 no. Oh, no all right. I mean, come on. This is tough. I'm going to go with California.
2: Okay. So Joe guesses California. So if you comment in the YouTube video below or send us an email at info at Joe Farrell for what state has a city with the lowest crime rate, you will want a, a signed copy of our first best ever book.
1: And let's see, I'm just trying to determine the definition of a city versus a town. A population of a city is between 100 and 300,000. A large town is a town of 20,000 to 100,000, according to Wikipedia. So my quick search. So this city has at least 100,000
2: people. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, yeah,
1: I still say California.
2: Okay. Moving on, obviously the Best Ever Conference is going to happen in February. So We're a few months away, and each week we're going to discuss a speaker or a panel discussion that will happen. This week, we are going to discuss two of your clients, actually, who did their first deals in 2018, their first syndicated deal in 2018, Bill Zoller and Kent Peterkowski. So They will be speaking about their first deal on a panel, and I'm really looking forward to that one, obviously, because they're about six months to a year ahead of me. So I'm looking forward to listening to that panel as well as having a conversation with them after the panel. So anyone who is interested in becoming an apartment syndicator and wants to, wants to know exactly how someone did their first deal, that will be a panel. And those are two people you will definitely want to hook up with when you're at the conference. So go to besteverconference.com to buy your ticket. Ticket prices go up each week. And then there's
1: take five for 5% discount, T-A-K-E and the number five whenever you buy your ticket. So make sure to put that in, and get your discount.
2: And lastly, the review of the week for the best ever apartment syndication book. If you leave a review on Amazon and send us a screenshot to info at joefairless.com, we will send you the free apartment syndication documents. This week's review comes from Reading Fan. And they said, so if you've bought a house or two as investments or as a flip and are thinking about upping your game, you need, in all caps, to read this book. Chapter five will open your eyes as to how much money is on the table and the rest of the book just takes your hand and walks you step-by-step through the process. I found a lot of material to dog ear and come back to later. And there's a picture of that in the review. Am I confident that I can buy an apartment complex right now? No, I need to get a little more experience under my belt first. But now I feel like I know where I'm going, what I want to do when I get there and the mysterious path from here to there Is now illuminated. That is invaluable.
1: Well, what a wonderful review! Thank you so much. I'm glad that you got the value out of the book, and you're continuing to propel yourself forward to getting a deal done. So, thank you for that review. And who was it? What was their name? Reading a fan. Reading fan. Thank you, Reading fan. And clearly, you're into self-development based on your name. So, appreciate it. And best ever, listeners enjoyed our conversation. Good catching up with you. Looking forward to talking to you again tomorrow. And between now and then, hope you have the best ever day. Finally, there's a simple way to track rental performance. Stessa, our best ever sponsor, lets real estate investors track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate portfolios for free. Go to stessa.com forward slash best ever. You'll always know how your properties are performing with this dashboard. It's a beautiful looking dashboard. And it will help you save time with smarter income and expense tracking. You don't have to do any more data entry. Just upload the stuff directly from your phone. It tracks it in real time. Get organized for tax time with tax-ready financials so you can download them instantly. This thing was built by investors for real estate investors. It's been featured in all the publications you can think of. To get set up with your free account, just add your properties, link your accounts, and everything else updates in real time stessa.com forward slash bestever, stessa.com forward slash ever to get started. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation Podcast, where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at the